0: Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, the Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to another episode of My Angular Story. Today, uh, I'm your host, Aaron Frost, and today we have a a pretty cool guest. Uh, I met Aaron when we were in Denver. Anyway, our guest is Aaron Ma, and Aaron, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience?
2: Sure, no problem. Hello, everyone. (laughs) My name is Aaron Ma, and I'm 11 years old. I'm a hardcore software and hardware developer. I've graduated from Udacity Nanodegree, which includes AI for trading. Self driving or engineer analogy program, and also the deep reinforcement learning analogy program as the youngest, and also over 90 Coursera certificates as the youngest. Also, I mainly focus on web development, which includes Angular, of course, self driving cars, flying cars, robotics, Python, C, and machine learning. And I'm also proud to say.
0: at Century.io. Wow, man. That's
1: a longer resume than most of us on the panel and that are the listeners.
2: Thank you.
1: You're 10, you said?
2: Uh, 11.
1: 11 now. Sorry, I think since I met you, you had a birthday. So how can you possibly be this good at programming and this into it at the age of 11? How, how young were you when you started?
2: Um, Around five.
1: So you started programming when you were five?
2: Yep hmm
1: so a lot of kids are like learning to play soccer and ride bikes mm-hmm. when they're five but you're you were probably did you learn to play soccer too
2: uh yes but then I quit when I was around eight or something
1: okay so you did you you did soccer and you know things that other kids do but you also learned to program
2: yep mm-hmm. oh
1: cool I only asked because that learning program at the age of five is pretty big deal. Like that's kind of a, that's kind of a, not common thing. And you did it. Was right. it hard? Was it hard?
2: Uh, at first, it was pretty hard because at first I had no idea what programming was.
1: Yeah. So did your dad, or who who sat down with you and kind of started showing you the ropes?
2: So, um, <clears throat> my dad gave me a bunch of learning sites like Pluralsight. Mm-hmm. Like egghead.io, like a lot of uh, online e-learning stuff. Yeah. My dad recommended a bunch of um intro to programming videos to me. So okay. after um watching them I actually um actually started to love programming. It okay. became part, kind of like a hobby for me.
1: Yeah. Um if I remember your dad kind of showed you a little bit, but then If I remember pretty quickly, you were like, dad, leave me alone. I got this. And you just kind of started doing it on your own. Is is that how it happened?
2: Yeah, kind of.
1: Tell us how it happened.
2: So when I was five, I actually got my first computer, which was a hand-me-down from my dad. And it's kind of like an iMac 2008. with only 2.4 gigahertz and two gigabytes of RAM. Okay. At that time, to me, it was pretty quick. So at first, I would be doing stuff like you know extra math, math kids, educational stuff. But eventually, I thought, hmm, how does this computer work? Does it use images? Hmm. So I decided to ask my dad. My dad said it was based on coding. So I decided okay. to learn coding. Yeah, cool. So, um, so the first language I've ever learned was HTML.
1: Does your dad teach you HTML or who taught you HTML?
2: Um, I actually watched YouTube videos on that. Okay, cool. So I so, to-
1: so your dad just kind of told you, Aaron, it's uh-huh. made with HTML. And then you were like, all right, I got this. And you went and kind of YouTubed it and kind of learned your way in.
2: Uh-huh, right.
1: That's so funny. How old were you when you kind of did your first HTML stuff?
2: Um, Five.
1: So I was still when you were five. Yeah. That's... That's like um, adults when we want to like change our brakes or like we've got something stuck in our garbage disposal. We need to know how to fix it. That's what we do. We're like, Hey, how do you fix the garbage? disposal? Well, we like go find the YouTube video. And at the age of five, you were like, "Oi, how do I do HTML? And you just, you just found a YouTube video and, and it taught you pretty well.
2: Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: So like, what did it tell you, like, do you still remember kind of what it taught you? Uh yes. What what were some of the things that kind of it taught you at HTML?
2: So um it talked about um how it, the syntax of HTML actually works. And also um div tags, like list tag like ul and ol, li which is um the list thing.
1: The list item,
2: yeah. The list item. And there's also um a bunch of other cool topics. Here. It also um talks about cool tips and tricks that you can use in in, um, HTML inside VS code.
1: Cool. So you, you were doing this with VS code. Yep. yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's fun, man. Um, so, so you start with HTML and it sounds like you, it sounds like HTML was pretty easy for you to pick up or was it hard?
2: It wasn't really hard.
1: Okay. So you got it pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So what did you do next?
2: So, um, I needed a way to style my websites because without CSS, um, the website is pretty plain. So yeah. I started to actually start learning CSS. Okay. Which, um, I found a pretty good course on, um, introduction to CSS.
1: Okay. So you go, you did a couple YouTube videos on HTML. Sounds mm-hmm. like you pretty much figured out the use for the different semantic HTML tags and then you're like, I want to make it look better. So, mm-hmm. go get. Let's go do some CSS. So, I'm gonna pause real quick as because there's a lot of story left. But I wanna, I wanna take a stop here for a second because there's a lot of people listening like me mm-hmm. who, who, who want to know the following. Like, we're hearing about this amazing. I think you're amazing. We're hearing about this kid Aaron Mahu, who we think is amazing, and we're like, I wish, I wish I could teach my kids some of these things so can you kind of tell us and help us understand this whole time that you're learning how is your dad helping you or what were your parents doing to or maybe not your parents your neighbors or whoever was encouraging you what were they doing to help you along this path because that's that's kind of what i think most of the listeners are going to want to know
2: so my dad um is the person who actually got me started with coding and also who helped me along my coding journey. So since he's a full stack um developer, he actually um taught me a bunch of ways to actually do coding the efficient way. And he was also really supportive. So for example, um he would always um if I had this um trace stack error or something, then he would always like come here and actually literally sit down with me and actually help me debug and teach me how to um debug this error. So in the future, I won't get errors like this. Okay. And also, um, he also gave me a bunch of educational um, sites like Pluralsight, A-Kid.io, um, YouTube videos, a bunch of great resources for me to actually um, watch and actually get hands on and actually um, see it in action.
1: Okay. So he he kind of knocked down all the barriers that were between you and learning, it sounds like. he He yeah. just said, hey, if you want to learn, here's all the things you need. And you... Yeah sounds like you kind of took the reins from there and, and kind of ran with it. Yep. That's awesome. And it's, it sounds like your dad's probably a pretty busy guy, but he took time out of his schedule to, mm-hmm. to debug as well. Like he didn't just say, I don't know, like go find a Stack Overflow answer. He just was like, he kind of taught you mm-hmm. the art of debugging. It sounds like he helped you with that. Yep. No, that's cool. That's, that's actually a really hard lesson to learn. So that's cool that
0: he sat down and taught you that. One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker, I don't want to deal with Kubernetes, I don't want to deal with setting up servers, I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from the Food Fight Show, and we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of the Food Fight Show, where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com.
1: I still get this feeling that you largely taught yourself a lot of it. So my question is what other things did your dad teach you specifically?
2: Specifically.
1: Or anyone or anyone else. It doesn't have to be your dad, but like the people around you, you know, you're, you know the adults around you, like what, what else were they teaching you to, to help you keep going and to knock down the things that were stopping you from learning?
2: So um, my dad is uh, probably the person who actually helped me. Um, in all all my coding stuff. Because, for example, um, whenever I had a debugging issue, he would come here and help me, but eventually he taught me how to stack overflow. And also, he actually um, taught me how to um, code in new languages. And when, um, for example, when I learned Angular, when I had Angular issues, which I still sometimes have to this day, he would actually um, also help Debug it for me. also teach me how to do it. And basically, um, he taught me a bunch of stuff. Like, for example, if-else loop, conditional statements, he taught me those. Angler, um, definitely he helped a lot. Um, Python, yes. When I learned Python, he was a really big supporter on that. Okay. Basically, almost everything new that I learned, he basically uh, supports me.
1: Cool, does he kind of give you the first introduction to the topic and then you you take it from there or does he does he just kind of tell you about it and then you go find your own YouTube videos or when your dad introduces you to a new thing, is he the one that initially teaches you or is he just kind of your guide or 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 what's the balance that I guess is kind of what i I'm wondering
2: so he's basically like just kind of like a guide to a um A path of what I should do but then from there on I would just take over and actually learn that subject slash topic
1: does he try and help you more but I think I when I remember you talking he when I was talking to you out of angular in Denver Mm -hmm. I think I remember him saying that he tries to help you more than you want him to and so he kind of just tells you hey do this thing. And then you're like, all right, I got it. And, and and you kind of push him out of the way and you just learn it at that point. But is that kind of how it happens?
2: Uh, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes.
1: All right. So it sounds like a lot of the time he's just giving you suggestions. And then once he suggests something to you, you just, you kind of take off and run with it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man.
2: Thank
1: you. um, you're, you're a really motivated kid. So, Is there any of these topics that you've learned about that you know more than your dad?
2: So far, no, because I can't beat my dad.
1: You can't beat him?
2: Yeah, because um, he has more years of experience than me.
1: Yeah. But
2: I'm definitely, I'm 100, I'm sorry, 1 million percent sure that um, if I um, keep this pace up, I can beat him in a few years.
1: (laughs) Uh, so does your dad code with TensorFlow too then?
2: TensorFlow, um, pardon me?
1: Does he, does he code with TensorFlow, your dad? Uh, no. So maybe you know more about TensorFlow than him already. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. All right. So when did you get into TensorFlow? Because just to, to be clear, most of our, most of the listeners of the podcast are Angular programmers. And, you know, a lot of them have experience doing full stack, whether it's Python or C++ or .NET or Java on the back end. It's kind of a wide array of technologies in the back end. And a lot of them are just JavaScript programmers. They don't they do not do a lot of back end, or if they do, it's in JavaScript. But not very many of them have, have, have played around with TensorFlow. So we're kind of in the area where a lot of the listeners are like, whoa, there's an 11-year-old kid out there that's that's doing pull requests to the TensorFlow source. Like, so how did you get into TensorFlow?
2: Well, um, I, I started in August of 2018 with machine learning.
1: Okay. So
2: in my machine learning journey, I could choose between PyTorch or TensorFlow. And since um, I love Google, um, so I decided to choose TensorFlow. Okay because, of course, TensorFlow is easy to use, which has a great user interface, I'm sorry, um, great flexibility, and also you can deploy it anywhere, basically anywhere. So um, I started out by learning the TensorFlow, which is written in Python and also C++. And after learning that, I wanted to share my knowledge with the Angular dev community. There's a little problem with that because, as you mentioned, um, the English deaf community is mostly focused on JavaScript. Yeah. And/or TypeScript. Yeah. So, so I needed um, TensorFlow for JavaScript, but luckily there already was one, which is called TensorFlow JS. Okay. So um, I, after I mastered TensorFlow JS, because it's basically just TensorFlow, except for it's implemented in JavaScript.
1: Okay. So
2: after mastering TensorFlow JS. I slowly implemented it with Angular. So basically Angular is the front end, the framework, and TensorFlow.js as the machine learning part.
1: Do you train your TensorFlow models in the browser or do you train them in node?
2: Um TensorFlow.js. Well um I prefer training in the browser if you're using okay. TensorFlow.js. Because um first of all you can, um if you um set your own, um, what do you call Oh Yes. Um, the logs You can actually see all of it, but for Node, um, it's, um, it's kind of difficult to go through the logs and I don't okay. like going through the logs in terminal. Yeah. More in the browser.
1: So you like the Chrome dev tools a bit better is what you're saying. Yeah.
2: And okay. also um, in the browser, um, you actually have more control of what you're going to train up.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. How so?
2: Well, for example, um, since you have to define your own training buttons, <clears throat> then that means that if you're going to click on this training button, you know what um, data set or whatever um, model you're creating is actually going to be trained on. Or Node, um, don't even ask me about that, okay? Not good.
1: Okay, so it sounds like it's a bit harder in Node.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Okay, so if you were, were going to sit down and teach a class of me and the, uh, the other listeners how to do TensorFlow, we're going to be doing it in a, cr- in a browser, it sounds like. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Okay, cool. And, and we're going to be making our own, our simple UI to train things.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's like a little button, so you can click on it and train
1: it. Okay, cool. So you, you made a couple of other statements as you were introducing yourself that sound intense. Not because it's hard to believe anyone's doing this, but it's, 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 it's impressive to believe that there's an 11-year-old doing this. What are you doing with self-driving cars?
2: Well, um, with the Udacity self-driving engineering and program, I've learned a lot about autonomy. So, um, after learning about autonomy, I wanted to actually um, create my own self-driving car. Because that would be, first of all, so cool. Yeah. Second of all, I can basically um, go home and go to school in an autonomous vehicle. Instead yeah. of still driving it, so cool. And also, third of all, you don't need a license because it's yeah. a autonomous vehicle. Yeah, you don't need like a driver's license or something.
1: Yeah, you don't have it's to. You don't... A
2: it's an autonomous vehicle.
1: Yeah. So you wouldn't need mom and dad to drive you, but you also wouldn't have to wait till you're 16
2: because
1: uh-huh. the car yeah. would take you for yourself. Okay, so so that those kind of goals, you're like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. And did you, so you just signed up for the nano degree program?
2: Right. Um, in November of last year.
1: Okay. So about a year ago, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to get through the nano degree cert?
2: So um, apparently they um, found after enrolling three days later, you found out I was 10 years old at that time. Yeah. yeah so 10 years old at that time. So um, they said we have to legally terminate your we have to legally terminate your nanogree enrollment. oh I was pretty sad. But um in December, um I I finally got Sebastian Thurin, who's the CEO of Udacity. Yeah,
1: he's the CEO, yeah.
2: I got his email and I actually sent him an email and he said it was okay for me to attend a nanogree program. But in um if I want to attend it, my parents have to sign a legal form. So after I wow. legal form, um, in this year's January, I actually got accepted into the Nanogate Enrollment for January. And wow. in June of this year, I completed the Nanogate program.
1: So you started in January, ended in June. Uh-huh. Yep. So do you, like, do you go to school and like rock your grades and then come home at night and go all night? Or what's, what does your daily routine look like?
2: In my daily routine so, um, at seven o'clock, I will wake up already and I will eat breakfast for my eight o'clock um, school. And I, all the way six hours later that's what they call it school six school hours of our lives. Okay. Um, at three o'clock, that's when uh, I finally get back home from a long day. Um, sometimes I don't have homework. If I do work, I just finish that really quickly and because I have good grades and then I would basically um, start coding.
1: So, um, how important is it to you to have good grades?
2: Uh, important. Definitely. It's
1: like, are you like, eh, hopefully I get good grades. Or is it like your number one focus or, or how important one to 10? How important is good grades to you? 10. Why? Why is it a 10? Why, why, why do you want to get good grades? What's the point?
2: Well, because if you get good grades, One day, if I say I want to get homeschooled so I have more computer time, the government won't say anything about it. And because (laughs) you already have a good grade. So, second of all.
1: Uh, Bro, you're hilarious. Okay, second of all, go ahead.
2: Second of all, um, if you get good grades, um, that means that you get to advanced classes, which means um, they teach really quickly, you get less homework, because they already know that there are no subjects. And also, there's much more benefits that come with good grades,
1: such as extra computer time. Extra computer time. So are mom and dad pretty good at giving you extra computer time if you finish all your stuff?
2: Yep.
1: Okay. It sounds like you guys, that's kind of like the currency at your house. Like, Mm -hmm. if you do a chore or you do good on something, mom and dad reward you with more computer time. It sounds like that's kind of your number one focus. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Adventures in Angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. So uh, I gotta be honest, I wish that I was more like you when I was 30 and you're only 11. (laughs) That's how awesome I think you are. Um, okay. I wish I was more like you when I was eleven. Obviously I would have settled to be more like you when I was 30, so I think I think you're pretty fantastic. Um, Aaron, you're coming into the angular community mm-hmm, yep. in a bit of a different perspective than a lot of people who do. a lot of most of the people are a bit older, and you, so you have a pretty unique perspective. What are some of the things you like about? the Angular community that you've seen?
2: Well, um, I would say um, I like the community because first of all, like the dev community is really supportive. Like everyone is like supporting each other. Like if you have any help, someone will basically help you like live in, um 48 hours on GitHub issues. Basically, um, the community is really supporting each other, making sure that everyone has a great um, experience with Angular, which I think is crucial for any open source project to actually succeed. And second of all, there's um great resources in meetups and also um conferences where you can actually um be inspired by other crows um, in the industry using Angular.
1: So so uh that's a that was a fantastic answer. And it was different than what I thought you were going to say, but it was fantastic. Um, what are what's been one of the what's been some of the harder things for as a ten and eleven year old, you know, programmer? What's been some of the harder things for you for you in the, in the community? What are some of the things you think we could do better to help other eleven year old developers uh, succeed?
2: Hmm. Okay, maybe first of all, we need to um, change the rules that's um programmers under 13 that rule we should remove that rule
1: What? so what's this rule I, i'm not aware of this rule can you explain it to me I, I there's probably other listeners who don't know what the rule is
2: well google has this um uh, rule that any programmer or something like that under 13 can't use Google services hmm. and also some of their products hmm. so which i think is not pretty fair
1: Okay, so all right. So what else? What are some other things we could change? We could change. So there's the 13 year old rule uh, from Google that kind of limits your interaction with Google services. What other things could change to enable other young developers to be more successful?
2: So we should also um, we should also create um, conference Angular conferences. that are especially for beginners into programming for kids. Especially okay. for
1: kids. Okay.
2: And also, um, Google should um create educational programs. So like instead of um like Google Blockly, which is basically drag and job, they should create um like more Angular um programs for schools to actually teach kids coding. Because that um would actually get more people into knowing about Angular and make yeah. the Angular deaf community more stronger.
1: I I love that idea, and you you want Google to start providing you with better better programs for young developers.
2: Uh-huh, like yeah, basically yeah. Okay,
1: what are some of the things that people like Google or other companies could do to help you? What do you What do you want? What What are you asking for? I bet they'll I bet they'll give it to you if you just ask. So, uh, on the podcast, go ahead and ask. What do you What do you want them to do? They
2: should like, um, for example, they should like. Provide people with um, more machine learning resources. Okay. Um, when I got started in MLs that time um TensorFlow documentation wasn't really well documented, and there was some um, bugs of it related to TensorFlow. Okay. And also, um, that for the Angular thing, they should actually um provide a better um documentation of Angular. Because where some people who actually read the documentation of Angular, they should actually make it um improve it better more um, readability.
1: Yeah. What's, what, what makes it hard to read?
2: Like, um, for example, sometimes, um, the text is a little small sometimes. Okay. And also, um, they should provide more demos. Okay. um, Hands on environments where people can actually get started with anger, like in a simulated environment.
1: Okay. I think those are good asks. To be honest, I think that, uh, I think if there's anyone listening, and I'll I'll try and make sure that there are, um, I think you might be able to get some of that. So, Aaron. Um, by the way, we didn't point out that me and you were name buddies because we're both named Aaron, right? Uh-huh. Right. So we're kind of like kindred friends because we're both A Arons. Mm-hmm. Does anyone ever call you A A Ron? Uh, no. I'm the first one. Well, when you get older, trust me. It pretty much happens all the time. A.A. Ron. No one's ever told you you done messed up, A.A. Ron?
2: No.
1: All right. Well, they will. Eventually, someone's going to say that to you. I promise. And when it happens, remember, your friend A.A. Ron told you first. Okay? (laughs) That's my contribution to your story. All right. Um, Some people are going to have some questions as they listen to this podcast. Um, A lot of them are going to be kind of like I am right now, which is I'm a little bit blown away and impressed by um, a how well you present yourself. Like it's it's kind of hard to believe your answers are so good. I'm like, is this kid really 11? Is he really only 11 year old kid? Because you're giving so you're a great interviewers. All I'm saying, I guess you should. You have a future in public speaking. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, but a lot of people are going to have questions about you, about what you're doing, how they can help. But they're also going to want to say, hey, I'm trying to teach my kids. What do you think I should use? If anyone had questions like that, is there a way that your parents are okay with uh, other programmers connecting with you? Is like, does your dad have an email address we should send emails to? Or what's the best way to... My
2: own email address that is monitored by my dad.
1: Okay, so your dad monitors this email. Yep. So can we give it out on this podcast? Or is that sure. okay? So
2: it's on my website. So I'm just gonna give out my website. So it's com. Okay. A A R O N H M A dot com. Okay. That's to reiterate, it's Aaron H Ma dot com.
1: So if we go to Aaron dot com. Mm-hmm. There's information like your email address. My your LinkedIn,
2: my Twitter, and okay. all about me and my certificates. And also my recent um, speak, speaking um, engagements.
1: Okay, awesome. So if you want to reach out to him, head over to his website. The contact information is there. And I'm glad that your dad's uh, monitoring that email because um, the internet can be a weird place sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure you've seen it be a little bit weird so far. get the older you get the weirder it gets trust me Spam um yeah, the spam that's gets worse spam gets weirder um so let me let me let me ask you another question okay. just just so that you can further cement in my mind that you're one of my heroes.
2: Thank you.
1: what are your goals as a programmer? What do you aspire towards as a programmer like when, when you look at your dad, like, think about your dad right now. He's awesome. When you're his age, where, where is Aaron going to be when he's the same age as his dad?
2: Hmm. So, um, when I go to my age of my dad, I want to be the CEO of my IPO company. Okay. Who specializes in AI and machine learning. Okay. healthcare. Because I believe that AI and machine learning can change the world in the healthcare industry. For example, you can um, detect cancer just in, in just um, a photo of your face, for example, in the future. And we can also, um someone's living in poverty, they might be able to afford medical care if there's a robot surgeon. So um, yeah. that's one of the things my IPO company is going to do. I also work on making self-driving cars Flying cars in robotics, a uh, reality, it's no longer a dream, a reality. Yeah, it changed the world forever.
1: Is um, is Sebastian Trin one of your heroes? It sounds like he probably is. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Speaking I, of heroes, I also um, in this podcast, I'd like to thank um, Seb- Sebastian Vitalik, who's okay. the um,
1: yeah, he works at Teleric,
2: who's my mentor and also the f- person who asked me about my Twitter and who also became my first Twitter follower. Second of all, I want to thank Tracy Lee, who's the person who gave me a bunch of my speaker opportunities, my first two speaker opportunities. And third of all, I'd like to thank Jesse Sanders, who um, said yes to send me to NG Denver, and who also gave me a bunch of CEO tips. And also Sebastian Thrun, who, um allowing me to take place inside the Udacity Nanodegree program, and fifth of all, of course, last but not least, Aaron Frost, Frost, <laughs> which is why I'm on this podcast right now. So if you're listening right now, including you, Aaron Frost,
1: okay. thank
2: you, thank you.
1: No, thank and also, you.
2: And also, thank you to um, many more people in the developer community. Thank you. Um, Less to work
1: with all of you. Okay. Well, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try this. Feel free to say no. You don't have to say yes to the question I'm about to ask you.
2: Okay.
1: Can I come work at your startup mm-hmm. when you're when you when you're going? Mm, um,
2: can you pardon me?
1: Can I come work at your startup once you kind of open the doors and you start working on it?
2: Uh maybe.
1: Okay. Maybe I, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to take that to the bank and I'm probably going to come back and say, Hey, you told me maybe on my podcast, it's video recorded, the whole world listened and I'm going to try and maybe guilt you into letting me be a part of your startup one day. Is that cool? Uh, <laughs>
2: um, maybe,
1: maybe. Maybe. All right. We'll have to see. Maybe. Right. You never know what the future holds. All right. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for being an inspiration for everyone in the community. Thank you. And to the listeners, I'm going to say thanks for coming and listening. And we will catch you next
0: time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.